Hi, it's Mark Wasserman. Welcome to Skaboom Stories, which is the audio companion to my new book, Skaboom, an American Ska and Reggae Oral History, now available for pre-sale through DeWolf Publishing House. Now that Skaboom is in production and will be available in July, I'm sharing a behind-the-scenes look at what readers can expect from the book. In 400-plus pages across 19 chapters, I've attempted to knit together the origin stories of groups of passionate musical pioneers who helped create a uniquely American version of ska and reggae. In this episode, I focus on the origin story and the important role that Mephiscopheles have played in American ska. From its early beginnings in 1990, the band set out to carve out its own niche within the so-called third-wave ska scene, and in my humble opinion, created one of the most uniquely American versions of ska there is. As original drummer Michael Reich told the East Strasburg Morning Call newspaper in 1995, we wanted to be in a ska band, but we wanted the music to be a lot harder and a lot darker than most. We liked the energy of ska, but most ska bands play a lighter, happier music. Musically, we are closer to rock than most ska bands. We wanted to do something that is a lot more theatrical. Though it may be hard to transport yourself back 30 years to the early 90s, I think it's fair to say that the band's theatrical embrace of Satan was wildly successful, perhaps even a bit too successful. Witness this early internet posting to a ska board circa 1997. This guy told me that Mephiscopheles wasn't really satanic and that it's just an act. Is this true? I haven't had a chance to see them live, and I haven't gotten their album. But everyone I talk to says they're awesome. But I'm not sure if I want to support a satanic band. I do have morals. Yes, it's true. Some people in the mid-90s were worried about their morals being corrupted by listening to satanic ska. Can you imagine? It's so absurd that it's actually endearing. And that, my dear listeners, are why Mephiscopheles, made up of a motley crew of trained jazz musicians and self-taught punk rockers, are the logical culmination of what I would define as the earliest days of the American ska era that started in the early 80s, began to take form in 1985, and then through the hard work of many of the bands featured in Ska Boom, gave birth to what some, but not all, ska fans refer to as the third wave that took off in the mid-90s. I'd count Mephiscopheles as one of those bands whose embrace of a mutated version of ska influenced legions of future American ska and ska punk band musicians. But let's start at the beginning. I love a good origin story, and Mephiscopheles have one. First, have a listen to this song. Love makes you mad. 
That's the Shaved Pigs, featuring Brendan Tween on guitar. The band were mainstays of the New York City punk hardcore scene of the mid-80s and released two albums, which earned them the attention of the BBC's John Peel. Not too shabby. After the Shaved Pigs broke up, Tween and his roommate, drummer Michael Reich, worked as busboys at a neighborhood Mexican restaurant where they befriended a bartender and aspiring comic named John Lebowitz, who you may know better by his stage name, John Stewart. It was during those long shifts at the restaurant that Tween and Reich would discuss their love of punk and ska and decided to start a new kind of ska band. As Reich noted in that newspaper interview from 1995, we like the drama of rock, like Black Sabbath. Satan, whether for real or just as a statement, was always a major theme in rock. That mission statement was at the core of the band's early sound, and with it, Tween and Reich went about recruiting several friends, including keyboardist Brian Underpans Martin. Initially, the band formed under the name Scotterbrains. So just how did they go from being the Scotterbrains, a name they learned later was taken by another band, to Mephiscopheles? Tween and Reich explained this to me. He just asked the question. So. What did you the, the million dollar question. Uh-oh. 666. <laughs> Satan, who's I, like, because I'm an advertising marketing person, so I, I could have totally seen you guys sitting around going, hmm, we need what, a theme. What can we do? What can we do that's not, not no one's doing right now? Is that, is that sort of what well, it was? Like? No, you know, it was our roommate, Matt Miller, who came up with the idea of being no, satanic. No, we, Blame we, came him. Up, no, we came up with the idea um, to call it, we were like, oh, let's call it Mephiscopheles. And I think the idea, and that was like, yeah, we'll be a satanic fan. Because, because no, Matt Matt was listening to Bartok. And, yeah. um, well, well, and he... Mephistopheles was good old opera. Yeah. yeah so. Right, and that he was like, yeah. and I think Matt was the one that was like, you should call yourselves Mephistopheles. And we're like, no, we should call ourselves Mephiscopheles. And because we wanted a, we wanted a band name with Sky. Yeah, because we did that. And everybody like so many people told us not to. Yep. <laughs> we're like, no, I think this is gonna be fine. You know, it's like we're gonna be a Satanic Sky band. Like, and it's like yeah. what? But it, I mean it came out. It was I'll say it was it was my suggestion at the time. And um but I think the idea was was more like this would be really funny. We just thought like what a what a it wasn't like oh we're gonna be a whole satanic thing. It wasn't like we didn't formate it. Like that it was more just like that's a great name, yeah. and just to position ourselves yeah. as as satanic, um, and it was like actually it was really funny because it was um, not that we were against the ska scene because we love the ska scene, but I think we definitely didn't feel like oh let's be a root boy band let's call let's ourselves be the like the, or be you know you know what I mean yeah, yeah. like and somebody like, I actually remember somebody was like we said because we just thought that was funny we just knew it would make people like we go what the fuck is that people would either laugh really laugh at it or be fucking outraged yeah. and really well, it, people it worked us. out yeah, people said like at first they were like you should call yourself that they were like you should call yourself something like um the billiards yeah so right. said, I was like, right. but we just thought it was funny we just knew it was kind of and we thought it was funny to obviously do the old you know having Scott in the name but making it so wrong yes. um, so we just thought it. and it was like and I loved how like intellectual it was with the new moniker and several years of woodshedding their new sound under their belts the band played its very first show on January 3rd, 1991, opening for the Scofflaws, another band featured in Ska Boom, at Yugo's, a bar in Valley Stream, Long Island. It was a smash success, 
and the band immediately leapfrogged up to the top of the heap of the New York ska scene. In summer 1991, trombonist Greg Robinson joined alto saxophonist Alexander McCabe and trumpeter Osho Endo in the horn section, completing the section that would tour and record for the next six years. After a lineup shuffle that saw Andre Worrell emerge as lead singer and frontman, the band recorded its demo tape titled The Demon. That tape, which I still own, was a game changer. I had never heard anything like it, and I was drawn to their mix of ska, dark humor, and crisp horns. I immediately knew the band were on their way because they were the antithesis of what was then the sound of the New York City ska scene, which actually needed some shaking up. Though their sound and comedic approach to playing live turned off some ska purists, including Tommy McCook of the Scottalites, who called them meffa-ridiculous, the band steadily built a devoted fan base throughout the Northeast by performing frequently at colleges and bars. In late 1994, Mephiscopheles released its debut album, God Bless Satan, produced by Bill Laswell and Robert Musso. Laswell and Musso were an unusual pick to produce a ska band, but as the band's trombonist Greg Robinson shared with me, we gave Laswell some so-so material, and he turned it into a classic that I think will be listened to long after we are gone. Originally released on the band's own label, Past the Virgin, God Bless Satan saw wider release after being licensed by Moonsky Records for national distribution starting in A video the band produced for Doomsday began receiving airplay on MTV around this time. 
Reich explained to me the exquisite timing that the release of the video and a game-changing article in the New York Times in October 1995 titled The Sound of New York, Ska. Ska? Yes, Ska. Had on MTV's unusual decision to air a video by a band on an independent label. So this New York Times article comes out and said, like, The Sound of New York is Ska. Yes, Ska. So, 1995, that was, I remember. Yeah. yeah. But I think it came, out, it came out the week that she was holding on to this video. And it was like, so like it came out on like, like a Wednesday, I think, or like, like during the week or, or like right before this meeting. So I took the article and I think I, I messengered it to her, like this article, so like she'd have it for the meeting. And I think it's like, she took it, she was like, and then I talked to her, she was like, yeah, we're gonna put you on. You know, she's like, yeah, I got the article. So it was like, it's one of these things that was like just timed out perfectly. But the actual, and we like just nudging and, the actual debut of the song was because Lars from Rancid picked it. That's not. That's what he said. No, it's not. It came on. It came on with the guy from Alice in Chains. Was Lane Staley? Yeah. yeah. And there's a. Yeah. I think it was him. It was like, yeah, I'm telling you, because you got like Matt Pinfield going, yeah, we got, we got, uh, uh, got me, the new album. You know, you just see him, you just see the guy, just, um, what is his name? Stanley. Lane Stanley. Yeah, you just see him go, <laughs> that's it. So if you watch it, like, it's like, you just see him, just go, so, but then, like, a week later, two weeks later, Ransom was on, they were guest DJs, so they got to pick anything they wanted, and they picked us to go on. So that was, like, another lucky thing, it was, like, right after, like, we got a replay. MTV Airplay still mattered in the mid-90s, and it radically changed the fortunes of the band and may have been the catalyst for setting off a frenzy of record company interest in ska bands, resulting in the signings of the Mighty Mighty Boss Real Big Fish, and the Suicide Machines to major label deals. Mephiscopheles would later open national tours for the Buzzcocks and Guar, and become musical heroes in Hawaii, where songs from God Bless Satan were regularly played on commercial radio there. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ska Boom Stories. The book is now available for pre-sale through DeWolf Publishing at DeWolf.com. That's D-I-W-U-L-F.com. The first 500 pre-sale orders will receive a free 80-minute CD mix called Ska American Style, courtesy of DJ Chuck Wren and Jump Up Records, which digs deep into the obscure world of privately pressed records, proving that American ska roots were firmly planted during the 80s alternative music underground. Visit DeWolf.com to order. If you've listened and received some value from this episode, then please help support the podcast for as little as $3 per month on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com backslash Podcast for more information. Thanks and take care.